Hey, little dudes and dudettes out there in the Bruise Beards and Shipwrecks listener land. This is Chun Jay from Well Ruckus, also known as Jamie Bennett. And I wanted to say, first of all, I apologize for not uh, not having a podcast in a while. Uh, things kind of got a little out of hand, and so here we are. But uh, alas, we have a podcast for you now. I have a whole bunch of episodes. I just need to edit them up. Uh, the bottom line was um, I kind of let the holidays get away from me, and then after the holidays I had some great stuff for you, but I was having some technical difficulties with my MacBook, and at one point, Sinead O'Connor, yes, that's right, Sinead O'Connor, the Irish singer, her songs made it into the podcast in place of the Royal Ruckus tracks, so it's kind of weird, but I got it fixed, and here we are. So my uh, my apologies for the delay, but we have a whole batch of episodes coming your way. A lot of exciting stuff. Uh, please tune in. Please share with friends. And uh, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. All right. No further ado. Yeah, boy! Can you, can you hear me? I can hear you. It's working. Okay, good. I'm, uh, I'm using a really crappy headphone... It's literally a, a, a CVS drugstore uh, <laughs> earbud purchase, and the, oh, left yeah. earbud, the left earbud has broken off. I, oh, yeah. I'm using one, uh, my right earbud, and I'm speaking into my phone. <laughs> Got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my beers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bounce, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bounce, Royal Ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Yeah, why don't why don't we jump in and uh, that way any of the you know opening banter or whatever is natural and. Oh, children. And oh, boy. boy. I, just, I, I ran upstairs when I realized it was time to talk. They just, just scream their way up here. It's all right, man. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, so, I'm, I wasn't sure how these headphones sound because I bought all these shit. Because I, I would, like, go down to the brewery and I plan on writing a song that day. And I wouldn't have, um, I'd realize I didn't have my earbuds with me. So I'd buy these $5 headphones and they'd never last. They would always, and then, and then uh, I, I think, I don't know if I told you that I was on a phone call for the cookbooks goal 100 thing this year. Yeah. This past year. Yeah. So we would talk for like an hour once a week and uh, I'm continuing on this year saying slightly different cast of characters, but oh, nice. I, I use some of those, um, some of those headphones and they were awful. And those guys would just, would just be like, where in the f are you like oh, so no. noisy so finally i bought like 50 dollars headphones that are too big for me to lose and that's, <laughs> that's what i'm talking to you on yeah 
So. That's what I need because uh, I I am I am down to this. Like my stereo night, like over the ear headphones died within the past. Like since we last recorded, since the last episode. Oh jeez. My uh, headphones yeah. died, and those are headphones I'd, I've had for a very long time. So. Well, it was worth it. I guess. Like, like I, I recently suggested on Facebook. I don't know if you saw this, but like maybe earbuds need to be on like the Amazon subscription thing. Oh, you so. show up like every six months or something. Like, you start <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, except for me, I think I'd need it like about every six weeks. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I guess I should welcome the audience. Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. Uh, tonight we've got uh, me, Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here with my good friend. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Mike Walker, aka Flatline, aka MP Walker. Known around the world, but mostly known <laughs> yeah, yeah. in Austin, Texas, <laughs> Bakersfield, California, Nashville, Tennessee. I don't think my world's been any big, much bigger than that, but such as here I am. There you are. Well, the, the purpose of tonight's call was, you know, we were going to do two or three part series, you and me, talking about the history of Royal Ruckus and focusing on a couple of records. Yeah. And that first episode, we just got carried away with coffee and songwriting. And I think actually more people liked that episode than the follow up. That was a blast, too, because you and I just <laughs> went on like uh, little rabbit holes, like left and right throughout the, throughout the <laughs> evening. And... Uh, that yeah. was a really, really fun conversation. That was a really, it was, and it turned out, uh, turned into a really good uh, podcast episode, I might say. Yeah, so I think so. It. And uh, I'm, I'm, I've got to apologize to the listeners real quick because, um, you know, we're we're still a small listener base, but uh, but growing and, and picking up each episode seems to pick up some new people. I get right. new feedback. Um, but I've I've taken a little hiatus for the holidays. Um, I've got, I think I told you in one of the last episodes, I had like eight episodes in queue ready to run. Yeah. Uh, well, well, not ready to run, they still need to be edited, but I've, I've got one ready to go um, any day. I just need to take the time to put the show notes together, because I really sure. like to have the show notes kind of thorough. Um, but then I started thinking with the holidays, I figured people wouldn't be listening in as much, and I, I did... Uh, did the Christmas episode just by myself. Yeah. And figured I'll just let, let that ride. And then um, and then I was about to run the other one. I thought, no, it'd be best for the first episode of the new year to be to be you and me talking before I move on to other subjects. So anyway, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, dude. And it's like uh, right about on time because we're here to talk about our latest album, right? And yeah, yeah. It was we've... officially released about like officially, officially released about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be February something or other. I don't know, the date yeah. changed a couple of times, so I don't remember exactly. Uh, but we've basically got two big things coming up. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll just, one is, believe it or not, the 20th freaking anniversary of the founding of Royal Ruckus. Wow, 20 years, uh, yeah, 98. <laughs> yeah, so we're recording this one week prior to that. Uh, hopefully I will go ahead and run this episode on or around that. Awesome. Um, Two decades is kind of crazy because you know for I, I you know I've really struggled this last year in coming back out especially like since I've been on the road by myself yeah instead of with you like we're not the Rolling Stones 
No, like, not at all. <laughs> so rappers who spent most of two decades not being rappers, it's kind of like, is that really worth claiming, you know? I mean, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've been active as, uh, I just explain it as being being active as, a, as an artist, like, you know, creatively yeah, active, true. doing something since I was in high school. Uh, and, you know, I feel like the performing cred, you and I grew up in performance yeah, kind of mediums. What you know, if it wasn't that you and I were making music together? We were also like stuff as simple as being in front of our peers in youth group at church, leading music, or uh, yeah. or at school, being in like you know concert band, concert orchestra, marching band, or something like that. Yeah, and all true. those are kind of things that really help with, I think, help as a as a young person. Uh, to like feel okay with being as someone who performs in front of other people when they get older. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I still yeah. get nervous. I, I actually uh, I perform um, I perform some Christmas music at my uh, at my company's uh, holiday party last month, and um, oh, nice. like I you know I restrung my guitar and I practiced a little bit, but it's, and you know I was like totally chill being on stage and cracking jokes, but it was still like getting right. these, uh, these like you know nervous voice cracks. That you know, while I'm performing, <laughs> that did not exist while I was practicing, and I thought I sounded pretty damn good while I was practicing. <laughs> and then the reality yeah, hit, and I was just like, huh. In twenty years, but we've been, you know, we've been, you know, at least have our ear to the ground with you know yeah. culture and and arts and music, um, yeah. and doing what we can here and there, and it, at least being supporters of the arts i right you know, i, I find right. is is a a good a good place to be as well if you can't perform you can at least support so that's my thought yeah that. that that's true that's true and and i know for me i you know one of the things that um you know you've always been more on uh the creative side uh musically and then i've I, you know my creative side has been more lyrical although you have plenty of dang contributions there but like I, I've never, I don't know, maybe it's not that I never left the scene. I think I kind of did leave the scene a little bit, but um, I never left the relationships of those who were willing to keep them up. Yeah. And so, like, you know, even when we weren't, you know, you and I hadn't performed in, like, two years or three years or something, I was still uh -huh. living in Nashville, and Pigeon John would come to town, and, I like, I went with... Uh, Oh dang it! What's the, what's the not Sam Usselton? What's the uh, the other Usselton? Um, Boy, <laughs> Jordan. Jordan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. Good friends of good friends of mine. I know <laughs> right? <It's> Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like Jordan and I rolled up with I think we picked up Spoken Nerd and we went and saw Pigeon John perform with Grits. Oh, and like wow. you and I hadn't rapped rapped in a couple years, but it was like. My boy's coming to town. I want to go see him. He was playing at some art gallery. It was it was fresh. It was like a wine and cheese night. That's I was surprised cool. Grits had had wine out there. Not yeah. not them as people, but them as performers. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Christian industry, you don't really yeah, do that. But I, word I, spreads fast when you've got alcohol at a. At an yeah. <laughs> but I, I I think at that point they'd gone out on their own already. I think they oh, kind cool. of said goodbye to go go see. So that makes sense. Um, anyway, yeah, man. So. So I want to bring, before we go to the Summer of the Cicadas, which is like the main thing I want to talk about, um, I've kind of like blocked off our post-Flickr history into like three sections. Yeah. And 
um, and I thought we should briefly talk about that. So, cool. Like from, um, you know, it was 2002 when we signed with Flickr, I think, and when we released there, the the self-titled release that we talked yeah. about on the last episode. And then, um, and it's kind of funny, I, you know, I've we have so much, so many like minor talking points that as I've been doing interviews and stuff, I think there's been like little misunderstandings sometimes and. Uh, you know, one of the recent interviews I did was like, they haven't put out anything for 15 years. <laughs> and I'm like, that is, that is not actually what happened. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. In fact, they might have even, they might have even said they, they haven't performed in 15 years or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, wow. actually, like our record came out 15 years ago, but yeah. like that was, when we got really active with performing. Um, so what, what do we, I mean, what do we have a, like a two year run of regular performances? Yeah. Like 2003 and 2004? Uh, it's because 2003 we were on Summer Jam and we rode that kind of momentum of being able to have shows for about another year. And then uh, you yeah. kind of started pursuing an educational uh, career and um, I was sure. just kind of being a young 20 something year old goofing around in a big city that I was, you know, starting to fall in love with for, for a two-second yeah. degree. Um, and both yeah. kind of just stopped, you know, doing... Well, uh, yeah, you you moved. We, we weren't roommates anymore, so we weren't talking about music on the daily. That's right. Only That's right. A lot of stuff changed. But we, we, never, we're never, we never called it quits. We were just, like, living life yeah. as it was coming yeah. at us. Yeah. And, and so we were always calling it a hiatus or just, like, indefinite, well, you know, we'll We'll make a clear statement at some point. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna yeah. do anything, whether it's never again or whatever. Right. But I feel like, uh, you know, as time has passed and you kind of get a, a bigger sense of how time works, that you don't yeah. need to make a statement of a definite or anything. Just be like, hey, we're right. working together again, and here's some cool stuff and some cool ideas that we've got going. And I think that's well, how it's kind of really turned it turned out. A couple of things that jump out to me from that period was, um, you know, I moved to Franklin, which is, for those who don't know, Franklin is south of Nashville, maybe 30, 25, 30 minutes or something like yeah. that, depending on traffic. Um, so you're in the Nashville orbit, but by the time you get down to Franklin, like, nobody wants to go up to Nashville unless they've got, like, a real important reason. Yeah. And I, I can remember uh la symphony was in probably one of the last times they went as a group to nashville it was probably like 2006 2007 um i tried to invite them to come hang out at my house in franklin and flynn was like oh yeah that's that sounds cool man let me talk to the guys and then like a little later i got a text he's like yeah we're not gonna leave nashville we're gonna stay up here <laughs> That's uh, far away. <laughs> There's no bus that goes from downtown Nashville to downtown yeah. Franklin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was kind of funny because it was like I was trying to stay connected, but but I wasn't like getting involved in, in industry stuff. And so there was like some drifting going on there. I think that time I did manage to get, uh, remember Malachi Perez? Yeah. Um, Still in touch with I him. I did manage to get him to come down and he brought Plato with him. And we sat in my garage and smoked the hookah and drank homebrew. Oh, uh, shoot. But, okay. But, but yeah, and, and, and even uh, before I lived in that house, you know, there were there were some cool drop-ins in Franklin. Yeah. Um, Pigeon John was on tour with Red Cloud and uh, DJ Wise, I think, and they came and hung out with me. Um, Ill Harmonics came through when I was living with the Van Gordons, and we, uh, 
we smoked the hookah and drank screwdriver. It was, was kind of <laughs> that's funny. Kind of weird, that's like vodka. not exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we and we watched. Uh, I think we watched Kill Bill and uh, and smoked the hookah and nice. and uh, hung out. But then, then like the, before I move on past this period, there was this weird thing that we should talk about with liquor, and that was that purgatory that they left us in. Oh yeah, where it was not clear that we were going to get another record. We technically they had wanted... like four more. Oh, yeah, we're on our yeah on our contract, and it was like, hey, let's get in the studio. But it was like, no, nah, no. Or just kind of like uh, we're, yeah. we're rebranding, or we we're re- I mean, there was like definitely like corporate reorganizing going on, especially like oh yeah, right after our album came out, a lot of like uh, leadership changes and and, and yeah, you know, as, and even like ownership, like what entity even owned the record label anymore at some point? Yeah, yeah, and that definitely well, it was deprioritized us, I imagine. Yeah, I, th- I think you know when when they brought on the new manager. Um, I think he. I think that was a smart business move for them, but oh, sure. it sucked for us because you know he was, you know, he was really nice, but he was looking at the bottom line too because that was yeah. his job. And and you know we didn't we didn't move the kind of units that they were looking to move. I'm still not even sure how many. I, I think they pressed up like fifteen thousand, but um, I don't I don't really know the final count. Um, but you know they're they're out there somewhere, <laughs> eBay. Yeah. And. Uh, but yeah, so I, I do remember. A lot of people don't realize this. Um, you know, he started. They they started a, a children's label, and they started pushing us to maybe do a children's record. And you weren't feeling that. Come along, sing along. Let's all go to my house. It'll be really neat to meet my crew. Just a chicken. Freddie has songs for you. We'll always find something new. Yeah, it was definitely like uh, I don't I don't have any clear memories of the time, other than I do remember helping to produce the music. I was working yeah because I think Josh Fabiar uh, was was doing the production with you with you on it, and it was yeah. you know there was a question of whether or not I wanted to be involved, and I was I'm pretty sure I had these feelings of like wanting to kind of keep my street cred, I guess, of being a cool indie rock kid, um, right. It, rather than like being putting my name professionally on a project and like having any performance involved with something when I was like more in the mood to, you know, maybe even go back to what I was doing before we moved of being in like rock bands or something like that. And right. Playing more like rock and roll shows, which, I, you know, I eventually did do uh, when I started playing drums with Death Comes, Comes to Madison. Um, right. And also playing around with some other friends. But as, as far as like that project went, I remember feeling like yeah, I will I will be happy to help write and produce, but I don't want to be I don't want my face to be the face of this project. <laughs> Maddie, what do you think you're doing? Oh hi Jimmy, I'm just practicing my dance moves for the new monster dance next week. Wow, what yeah. your dance moves? Yeah. You're not even listening to any music. Yeah, well I wanted to, but my radio broke, so I just kind of put the music ah. in my head and I was dancing around. Well, I have an idea. How about we use a turntable in a record? A turn what? A turntable. It's where you put a record on and you move it back and forth like this. Wow, I like it. What's it called? It's 
called Back and Forth. On two turntables. One day he was playing and he found his scratch, scratch, scratching as a super sound. your hand out a few fingers down spin that record round and round Yeah, I, I, what I what I remember. Um, correct me if if I'm wrong, but I remember it was like I just wanted to put out music. Yeah, I didn't want to change what Royal Ruckus was. Yeah. But it, if they were going to give us an opportunity to do a children's record, I mean, I had worked in elementary school in college yeah, when we were kind of know, active. Yeah, and and uh, you know I thought well that'd be kind of cool. That's it's a good market. You know, it's a renewable market because there's preschoolers all the time and they don't get tired of the music. Yep. You know, you know every year there's a new batch of preschoolers Smart. and they will listen to a 10-year-old record yeah, they that sure teenagers won't, won't do, you know? You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. Now what are you called? That is my name. I know someone called that. Well, we're not the same. Yeah. See, you got me. No one is like me. I'm so special. Can't you see? My fur is red. My shirt is blue. My nose is big. Just like you. God made me special. He made me out of love. Maddie's my name. It fits like a glove. Well, that's great, Maddie. I didn't know all that cool stuff about you. Wow. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. Now what do you call? Jimmy's my name. Oh, someone called that, but we're not the same. You see, God made me special. No one's like me. I am so special, can't you see? My hair is yellow and my arms are long. I like to dance when I sing your songs. God made me special out of his love. Jimmy's my name, it fits like a glove. Special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. You are special and so is your name. That's why we sing the name game. 
professional involvement even though I don't you know I wasn't acting very professionally back then um, just with sure. how I, how I sure. viewed myself how I viewed us and how I acted but it, you know that was essentially what I was doing was trying to be like no you know if my name is a brand to a certain degree then yeah. I oh, don't yeah. want my name on this brand I don't want my name associated with this because I don't feel like it fits the, the yeah. theme uh, that I'm, well, I th- I'm working I think on it, I think it was really smart and then for I think your advice to me was really smart, and and then your own path was really smart. Um, now I wish I do wish the children's thing had worked out. It would have been really fun. Um, although that's not really what I wanted to do, but it would have been, you know, it would have been a pathway to do music for a living and could have opened up some some other doors. But yeah. you know, for me, I was so young and short sighted. Um, you know, that's one of the things I really admire about, like, Pigeon John and KJ52, some of those other guys. They were just determined. I am going to make a living at this yeah. no matter what. And and we didn't have that same vision. I think my vision was, you know, more like, let's just see how far we can take it. And yeah. if it doesn't work out, no, no big deal. Yeah. And that's not a terrible attitude, but that's not a winning attitude. No. It, yeah. And, so, like, a, it's kind of more whatever than it is about a long having a long view of something of like seeing how something can affect something 10 years down the line everybody get on the floor everybody get on the floor dancing what we came here for now move yourself from side to side it's time to do the zoo crew slide Jump up and down to the sound of the Zoo Crew Slide. 
base you can't see at the moment. Right. And I, I think that the, the magic moment, like for Pigeon John, uh, for example, and this was when we were hanging out with him, too. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. Like, we didn't realize this is how he was thinking. He went out on a six-week tour, and he came back with six months of rent. Yeah, which and is he, and he, awesome. <laughs> and he, of course, his rent was probably pretty low. I think I think that was when he and Joey the Jerk were splitting a one-bedroom apartment, yeah. and he had a mattress on the floor. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember that apartment, but... Um, but yeah, I, I. But he still saw. Look, if I can cover my rent for six months, like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. and then feed myself when I'm on the road. I don't need to do all these stupid temp jobs. Yep. And then we were going on tour, and then coming back and being like, it's Starbucks time, you know? Or, exactly. Or I started working at the preschool, and and eventually that locks you in more to a normal lifestyle that's yep. not conducive to. Uh, music touring. But. Yeah, to disappear for weeks at a time. I know for me, yeah, I, I had always oh, felt, uh, I'd always felt like if I didn't have a day job, like how in the world was I going to pay any bills? I was already having a hard time paying bills just working at Starbucks. Yeah. So how in the yeah. world would how in the world would not having a job help? Um, right. Well, although you know when we were doing the weekend tours, whether it was Summer Jam or when we, you know, just were booking yeah. gigs every weekend and we would make sure we had we didn't work on the weekends. I was always impressed that we'd come back with more money. I would make more money at one or two shows over the weekend than I yeah. would a week, you know, working at the coffee shop. And that was cool, but I I never comprehended how that how that how that would work in a sustainable way. I felt like it was always like yeah. going to be stressing out and I would rather not be stressing out about yeah. that kind of thing at, at 21, 20, 21 years old. Well, a, a huge uh, percentage of the money we would make, we would put back into merch, which was smart to do. Yeah. But I think we also should have been really smart about it and been like, okay, look at how achievable this could be. Oh, yeah. How do we, how do we <laughs> sustain this year round um, instead of like, when is our next shift at Starbucks? Yeah, you know, I, like I feel like we, we were asking done, the wrong question. I feel like you were you've done a good job of that when you were uh, when you were touring earlier. Uh, I, I guess uh, within the last six months, yeah. Just seeing like yeah. if, if you just book shows, you just have to book shows. Go book a show and go perform, and yeah, you know what happens happens, and uh, you know not really not really comprehending what that looked like when I was young. So it, it never made sense to me. I felt like I totally yeah. get it now. It totally seems really awesome, especially since yeah. you know, in Austin, I come across plenty of people who are, you know, they work either, you know, server jobs or coffee shop jobs or, or others because they make good money in the service industry in Austin because Austin people are, are generally, you know, they take care of their servers. Um, but they also work jobs that don't mind if they're gone for three weeks um, yeah. because yeah. that means more shifts open for other people to make more money um, or they can call in sure. a sub. Like it's, it's not a big deal. And then these people can go out and make, you know, a, a good chunk of money that pays their rent for the next couple of months. And they can feel comfortable either going back to their job, working part time so that they can also be part time writing a new album. Um, yeah, because yeah, they've, yeah, they've exactly. already got the money saved up to to yeah. handle those bills that are going to come up while they're working part time. I, I yeah. don't think I ever thought about it that way until you yeah, know, over the past four or five years, meeting new musicians and you know just seeing how you're doing music, you know, in different parts of the world and um, yeah. like people I'm involved with uh, in different capacities and 
saying, you know, oh, this is possible. Or even just hearing about KJ52, yeah. who's still a career writer. Sure. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and that's yeah, dude, awesome. he, he just posted uh, on Instagram yesterday or the day before this incredibly huge and energetic crowd. Like, I don't, I don't know. I doubt he's rocking crowds that big, you know, every weekend. Yeah. But it was a damn huge crowd. And, um, and like, I was just like, that's incredible. Like, we've only rocked a crowd that big a couple of times. And, like, that was super impressive that after all these years, he's still pulling it off. He's got, he's made his lane. He's in it, you yeah. know, and, like, people are behind it. And, like, that's, that's incredible. Like, find, find your niche and get rich, as they say. And I know he's not, <laughs> like, necessarily getting rich, but, um, but he's, he's paying the bills. He's paying the bills. Family, and he's seeing some growth, you know? Heck so... Yeah, I, I think conversations like this are worth ha- having because, like, when when I was on tour, I met um, this year. I met a lot of younger musicians, and um, you know, it was kind of cool um, to have some of them approach me with a little bit of like respect for the the time and the history, with a lot of questions. It was cool um, just to be able to get some advice and be like, "Hey, here's some mistakes I made. Don't do that." If this yeah, is that's what, true. What you're trying to do. Um, because there was a there was a lot of stuff like we just didn't have clarity on that like in hindsight oh totally this is what you do if that's what you want you know yeah exactly but that's now as, as we kind of transition so like so obviously we, we just like went like a fire hydrant there on a lot of things that went on um, but just to kind of like bring the narrative up to speed so we both kind of like started settling into. Well, you you were doing you were still doing music. I wasn't doing as much. I'd write here or there, but um, we both kind of settled into like normal jobs and normal lives for the most part yeah. by around oh six oh seven ish. Uh, I think I I settled a little sooner than you, and um, and and like during that time, I I don't even know. If, I don't know. Did you ever sign the dissolution contract with Flickr? No, I don't. It doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I would say, well, no, that, no, I didn't. <laughs> technically, you may owe Sony four albums. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> okay. Whip them up. Okay, so, so Flickr got purchased by Sony, and, um, and I got a call from, from the label manager at Flickr, and they were now set, they had moved the offices from Cool Springs down to uh, the old studio on West Main, where we recorded a lot of yeah. albums. Did you know any of this? Man, wait, say that again? Sorry, my kids were so, just yelling at me about school being canceled. Cool Springs office is down where, okay. where we had signed our deal. Yeah, and yeah. And they moved, they moved into that house recording oh. studio on West Main. That makes sense. And that yeah, that was, that was their trans, transitional office. They they had they had bunk beds up, upstairs yeah. and like, I don't even remember there being an upstairs. I don't even remember when we used it as a studio, knowing there was an upstairs. Maybe we did. No, there was definitely some weird thing going on upstairs it. that I don't remember us doing much. But they definitely they had like a mattress upstairs, and they it looked like they had wired yeah. a house that you could potentially record anywhere in the house, like direct boxes. It looked ah, like okay. were everywhere and like like just plugged into the wall. Yeah. I don't know like what how what the if it was like a studio house before. Flickr obtained right. or they did all that but I thought it was really interesting but yeah there was an, some weird upstairs thing going on but uh, we didn't do much with the upstairs because we 
there was at some point where we had to be like out of the studio at a certain time because some band was living oh, yeah. there at night or yeah that's right that's right or something <laughs> so that's why they had yeah. some beds at the time um well and 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 two it was good for us to get out of there and eventually end up in that other studio that was in cool springs that we could use for free yeah that's because great. you know I don't know if you know this, but we were billed for the days that we used that studio. Um, that makes sense. Uh, you know, a label, this is what every new artist needs to realize, especially in 2018 when labels are not the future. No. Um, a label is just a bank. All they are, is they're a platform and a bank, and everything they do for you is you borrowing money from that bank. And if you don't sell enough, that's fine. It, most record deals are not going to have it where they're going to track you down and pay it back, you know, because they're taking a risk too. But exactly. at, the, at, at the same time, um, you're going to, you know, artists are going to be surprised if they ever get to look at why they're not getting a check from their label. And uh, one of the things we were charged for was that studio time. And so we, we were using yeah. the label studio and they were putting it on our tab against our royalties. That um, okay. That makes. I mean, that makes perfect business sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it also makes sense. A lot of things. Like, okay, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's not shady. It's just you know that's just how it is. Yeah, and it, it just it kind of sucks, but that's just kind of how it is. But anyway, I, I brought all that up to say that um, I actually talked about that a lot more than I meant to. But um, basically, you know, the manager called me up. And I went down there and signed some papers. I think legally you should have had to sign them, but I don't remember you ever doing that. Nope. But it was right around the corner from my house. Yeah. So, so I went down there and chatted with him. We actually talked theology and stuff, and um, and you know just talked talk some nerd stuff. I don't think yeah. we even talked about music. And then the funny thing was, he pulled a bottle of scotch out of his drawer, <laughs> and he poured us each a glass. <laughs> And we're sitting there in Flickr's office drinking scotch, and I, I thought back to when we had first gotten our record deal. <laughs> but you were drinking and a we Corona? Got a, yeah. I, in that same house, I was drinking a Corona and got yelled at by somebody involved in the product pro, uh, project. And, and then on top of that, uh, we also got in trouble because I had this graffiti-covered car that had Royal Ruckus murals all over it oh, yeah. parked in front of a bar in Nashville, and rumors were starting to spread that maybe Royal Ruckus was alcoholics or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but did, did you, were you in that meeting with Bob, or was that just me and Josh? No, that was not what? me, but I, I do remember those stories, and that makes sense, because I remember, I mean, uh, I mean that, that all totally rings a bell. But I, yeah, was I, I, was I got in trouble. Those like major things. I, I always heard. I heard the stories afterwards. Whether it was the Corona and the, like I had already gone to work when you got busted for drinking a Corona in the studio, and um, I was, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure this whole meeting sounds familiar, but I was not a part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I was trying to like stay out of trouble anyway. So I was like, if I yeah. was whatever I was doing, I was keeping on the low low anyway. So yeah, <laughs> like. But you were well, like, I'm, I'm an adult. I should be able to drink alcohol. Like, yeah. Alone. I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you are an adult. This is kind of silly. Like, Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's that's the Christian music industry, at least at that time. You know, I don't know that, what it's like now. But, but seems you know, like everyone's, everyone, everyone's allowed to drink wine now, it seems like. Uh, like yeah. It seems like the new alcohol thing in, in churches in general has gone away unless you're... 
old that old time old timey yeah. denominations that have it written out in their church laws. Um, but all the ambiguous <laughs> ones are away into wine now. Good for them. Well, that's good. Well, it's, it's funny. I mean, there, there is a reason why uh, the girls at Flickr used to say, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to say, you were the royal and I was the ruckus. Oh, yeah, I do and remember that. <laughs> I, I was the one causing the problems and getting us in trouble. You were the one just laying low, just doing what you needed to do. <laughs> yeah. I lay in my bed and think about things The way they could have been, should have been On the upswing, the ceiling takes me back to my better times Happier rhymes with the nickels and a dimes More things stay the same, the more things change More stories told, the more numb is the pain Rain always comes in the light of the sun Someone always lives before the darkness overcomes Walk in on a tale of love Simplified stories, sums above Get it all back somewhere, somehow It was right, it was then, it was here, it was now some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly, some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly. Some say the stories are the same, but you can change the names. He thought for sure he was in love and things would never be the same. Troubles rise, I slip into disguise, and feeling wise says, Why don't I know? And so it goes, he knows it shows, dives in with the flow inside. Some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly. Some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly. Some lives conflict, some stories restrict Sometimes the tale is told just to hear it Propositions contradict, but the story makes sense Spare no expense when you tell the tale of providence This is the true light which comes in the world Lights every man and lights every girl Unreal thoughts invade my mind Find I had signed on the dotted line The truth is told best with the use of a tale Love to tell the story of the carpenter's nails I exhale and I say it again Despise the men, heals them from their sins Some love to tell, some love to keep Some love to think, some love to eat Some love to sleep, some love to laugh Some love to cry, some love to live Some love to die, some wanna fly Some love to tell, some love to keep Some love to think, some love to eat Some love to sleep some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly. Some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some love to live, some love to die, some wanna fly. Some love to tell, some love to keep, some love to think, some love to eat, some love to sleep, some love to laugh, some love to cry, some we love did to have, live, some love uh, to die, some You and I had a little fly. disagreement on stuff, like right when all this was like pretty much done and I think we played a show together and then I sat down with you and we talked through something and and I I think we ultimately agreed but like it was not clear like what was Royal Ruckus going to be going forward yeah and by by that point I think that was our last show or second to last show with 
a booking agent. And not long after, uh, we didn't have management anymore, and that was in part because of the um, the children's project. Yeah, I had I had talked to Josh, and I said, "Look, we we've just had too many complicated situations, and I want you to pick a relationship with me." And he was writing the scripts for that. Yeah, had that had that gone big, he made a very good choice to you know to be the writer because yeah. he would probably make the lion's share of the money which would have been real, you know at least, at least from sales um but obviously that didn't go anywhere but so then we're you and i are sitting around we kind of have a disagreement on like how we're supposed to be and then like our infrastructure was gone and the label wasn't giving us any support yeah and That's... i remember for a very short time the website uh, the RoyalRuckus.com only had pictures of me. Your name was still on there, but there were only pictures of me for a very short time. And then, um, and then I think you and I were smoking the hookah when I was living at the Van Gordon's house. And we had, at least this is what sticks out to me. We had a conversation where I said, whatever we had issues with before has not affected our friendship. And I don't want it to affect our music. We've been doing this together for too long. We've been friends for too long. Let's just forget about that. Let's make one more record. Let's just make one more record because I think our best stuff is in front of us. Yeah. And Definitely. that's kind of how I remember it. That was no, I remember that too. I was 05, already, 06, something like that? Yeah. It 07, must have been, I don't know. I had already started, um, I had just been like, uh, I had a little spurt of creativity in like 2004 and 2005 where all of a sudden I was, I had like borrowed a friend's really nice Roland those were awesome. really nice electric piano that I had access to in my room that was a little little house studio and I had like my I had like a like a you know just a, a kick and a like a little miniature drum set set up I didn't have a full kit so I had yeah. this little like a uh, musical playground and I was pumping out music a lot and and you were like getting back into some of the instrumentals I was making and I was and I was really right. starting to feel like hey I'm not like I'm not bound by anything I can do whatever I want yeah um, and I think, you know, you were hearing what I was getting into and you were kind of filling the group and we were both like, you know, we own Royal Ruckus. We can do whatever we want with it. Why don't we just do whatever yeah. we want? As such, you know, the music is changing. We're both growing. We're both learning. It really did feel like the best stuff was ahead of us. Like I was hearing yeah. new music and being inspired by it and being like, there's no reason why we can't make whatever the kind of music we want. Like just because yeah. we have friends who are in hip hop and we play to you know a, like a younger but hip hop crowd I guess or this crowd that accepts <coughs> more beat yeah. oriented music over you know singing stuff um, yeah I, I felt like we could do whatever we wanted and I know uh, that was that was kind of the plan we we kind of said that motion forward we uh, we did put together like a handful of collections of of music. Like none that I would say was an album album, right? Um, right. Although our uh, rumors of our demise was definitely had a lot of heart put into it, but you know it was yeah. produced and produced by you and me and mixed by me. It, it was yeah, not yeah. a professional product. It was right. Uh, you know, it was a collection of songs. You know, and half those songs were really old, and maybe a couple of them were, were really new. Um, so even then, it was still yeah. kind of like a like a B sides or, or a collection album, rather than. You know, an album where we right. decided to write a bunch of songs together and release them together. You know, release well, all I, the ones that sounded good. If, if I remember correctly, they, um, sometime in that 
2005 to 2008 period or whatever, uh, we got together and I think we did Dial It Up and Loving the Story. Yeah. And and those two songs to me confirmed that we would, if we put our heads together again, we'd be writing more mature stuff. And like I was just really excited. I, th- I think we sat down and wrote both of those songs in an afternoon and cut the rough vocals and some of those rough vocals, if not all of them, may have... Well, not all of them. Some of those rough vocals, I think, made it on uh, Rumors of Our Demise years later. Absolutely but, true. Yes, all of that is true. So, uh, you know, one of the things this... I'm not going to go into details, but one of the things this show is about is shipwrecks, life shipwrecks. And in late 2007, early, 2000, early to mid-2008, I hit the biggest shipwreck of my life. Yeah. And you and I only had a couple songs under our belt at that time that would end up becoming rumors of our demise um, or get used in other things. But um, I got this creative impulse and that uh, during the there was like the first six months or so of 2008. um, I started hooking up with other rappers connected with Bobby Exodus, Jay Quest, Spoken Nerd. Um, that was when I reconnected with our friend Jeff Wilson that I just did yeah. uh, an episode with him on, on the podcast. Um, and, and during that period, you and, you had a batch of beats that you, you gave me to work with, and that's where the bulk of Rumors of, of Our Demise came from. Um, and then from 2008 to... Two, like, so in 2008, I was ready to do Rumors of Our Demise. Yeah, that's I, true. So I thought. But then I, I moved to Hawaii... And I kept working on it. In fact, actually, uh, if if anybody's interested and they listen to, what was it, Closer Than You Think, I think that's like track eight on the album, uh, you can actually hear the the Koki Frogs. Oh, um, yeah. I think the, you left the, the, uh, we left the sound of the animals in the background at the night. Yeah. So, so what happened on that, I was like, I was ready to record it. I, I had refined the song a few times. Uh, it's a very intense song. Um, it's, it's a song I, I'm writing from the perspective of someone who has cheated on his significant other or spouse and um, and I'm, I'm just like and, and I'm writing from the perspective that like I've trashed it all and I'm okay with trashing it all but maybe uh, maybe there are, are some hints of regret but I'm not there yet right yeah. so like yeah, yeah. this is one of the most intense songs we've, we've ever ever written and I, when I, when I finally like was just like I'm ready to roll with this. I wanted to record, but in Hawaii, like nobody has air conditioning or heaters or anything <laughs> like that. And so the windows are open. So I found a little, um, you know, nook in my closet, and I started recording. And it was light when I started recording. And the Koki frogs don't start making noise till it's dark usually. Yeah. And so it got dark, and by the time I realized, well, by the time I was almost done with the song, I realized that there were a lot of frogs in the background on the recording, <laughs> and it <laughs> sounded cool. So I was like, let's just roll with this. So I stuck the microphone out the window and hit record for four minutes and put that on there. Oh, wow. Leagues on two sheets, they real passions, now concrete, trying to be wise, my own cut of seed, I tasted the fruit, so better sweet, take, eat, my fault complete, the freedom of my family's my death. I died that day and every week I felt okay behind the sheet Digging a grave by the words we speak So my 
kind of because you know we it was like a ramshackle recording process that album mm-hmm. uh, rumors of demise has like vocal parts recorded very different various different parts of our timeline that ended up on one, oh yeah on what you know like one track will have a, a more up-to-date recording of the hook but we'll keep the uh keep the old uh verse or something like that or or even like the old the old background vocals but do but a new take on the uh, on the on the verse. I thought it was well, uh, really interesting to like to uh, be on record with yourself from a different era. Yeah, a, a, a perfect example of that is uh, the song "Soundtrack for Our Love." Yeah, and That's very true. That, that was a song I wrote in like 2002 or 2003. Yeah, I, I think I may have written it at the same time we were recording the Flickr stuff. I'm pretty sure I. I did either sure. during or right after. It, it was right. It was right in that time, but it was not something that we would have submitted for that record. Um, but I really loved the concept of it because the concept of, of the song was, you know, when you listen to music, it becomes a part of the fabric of your life, a part of your your reality, and you start associating songs with certain times in your life, or certain people, or even certain emotions, and. I love the idea that we all are creating, if you listen to music, you are essentially creating a soundtrack for your life, mm-hmm. and or at least for that period of your life. And of course, I was like 22, 23 or something when I'm writing this song, and I'm, I'm like super prone to over-romanticizing things, yeah. you know, something that life has beaten out of me a little bit um, since then. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, you know, so I, I write this song, and then... Um, I, I thought, gosh, it's like 2010, I'm deciding, you know, we're, we're getting close to re-releasing this thing. I'm like, I should recut these vocals um, just for an update. And I went in there, and because I hadn't really been rapping regularly, I couldn't flow like I could back then. And it was it was like my tongue was like just not cooperating. Oh, wow. And I was able to do the verses, but I just could not nail that hook. Yeah, that's right. And... Um, 
And I, I changed like one lyric. I think there was a reference to Dashboard Confessional, yeah. which was per perfect for the time it was written, but a little dated by the time we were getting ready yeah. to put it out. And I changed that to uh, Paramore, oh, maybe. With a P. Paramore, yeah. Sorry, I, I still don't know younger and, and skinny and did the, the hook and so when I was younger and skinny I sounded 
little high, yeah, more high pitch, and, and then and then like heavier older me was husky. like <laughs> husky on the verse. But it, it sounds awesome, actually. You know, yeah, for really cool it for a really demo cool. quality song, it totally it totally works. But that record's still available. It's it's for free at noisetrade.com/slash/royalruckus, and I think you can name your own price at royalruckus.bandcamp.com. And I believe it's everywhere else, Spotify and all those places. So it is. Um, it is indeed. So that that the last thing I want to say about that was as we were getting ready to put that out, you know, I felt like there was this understanding between us. This was not the record that we had talked about that night smoking the hookah. No. It was a good record and these were good songs we wanted to put out there, but it was not the final record. And in, in fact, when I gave you the list that I thought it should be, which was all old songs, you vetoed several of those songs. Said, yeah. That song's fine, but not for this project. And I'm, I'm glad you did that because that's when we came back and we, we already had the title of the album. We didn't have a title track. So yeah. we wrote a title track. Um, which actually kind of tied all the songs together and it, it ended up becoming our first stab at a concept record. Um, Once there were two children, their names were congenial. They met in fourth grade and their friends were the same. Given proper time with tragedies and twine, made a record and a rhyme and a way that lights combined. Four years, Nashville, more records than a deal. Little did they know success was a trick up a hill. They went their separate ways, weren't apart too many days without a drink or a smoke and a chance to reappraise. Life made its way, seven years was a delay. In the fickle world of music, that's more like two decades. Rumors said they were dead or in a museum. They were rocking my delinquent sock, y'all could call a seal. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When the ages are upon us, will we adjust? In a box held down by six feet of crust. What will we say when our words are hushed? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When the ages are upon us, will we adjust? When I'm laid to rest and the seed is crushed, will I rise to lush life or remain a husk? There was a boy called Flatline and he almost deserved it. His dad called him dead, my budget down, he was a wordsmith. A real prodigy, a music masterpiece. The kind of right beat to make poor khakis free. A man of few words, but a deep thinking soul. With some thought absurd, he saw as his soul. He found a wife, made a life, and they made kids. They're the best two friends with the best life kids. But like Gorman, his casket was closed. Three feet was too shallow for a day long road. He's down six feet with daisies on his grave. Remember his advice with the damn thing say. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When the ages are upon us, will we adjust? In a box held down by six feet of crust. What will we say when our words are hushed? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. When the ages are upon us, will we adjust? When I'm late to rest and the sea is crushed, will I rise to lush life? Will we Six feet across, what will we say when our words are hushed? 
that we had talked about that night smoking the hookah no it was a good record and these were good songs we wanted to put out there but it was not the final record and in in fact when i gave you the list that i thought it should be which was all old songs you vetoed several of those songs and said, yeah that song's fine but not for this project and i'm i'm glad you did that because that's when we came back and we we already had the title of the album. But we didn't have a title track, so yeah. we wrote a title track, um, which actually kind of tied all the songs together. And it it ended up becoming our first stab at a concept record. Um, it didn't start out that way, but once we had a title track, it kind of tied everything together. And yeah. then And then California Grit we did with Cookbook and Omasa Manchild. And then uh, you brought a couple songs to the table um, that weren't originally Royal Ruckus songs, but they did a nice job kind of knitting it together. Yeah, and, and I then think, uh, uh, really helped. And that, then I wrapped uh, over some nice stuff. Yeah, it made um, it, it was a good like um, like it was it was kind of like a good reintroduction because it was like some classic stuff that we had done in the past, like such as the the title track "Rumors of Our Demise" is very old school Royal Ruckus with like the beat production yeah. being kind of cheesy in my opinion, but like I made it that way on purpose, but also just like the, right. the hook, you doing the choruses and you telling a story about us in those, yeah. uh, in those, in those verses, which kind of was like introduction to the rest of the album, which was, which is like modern kind of a look back or re-updating.
stuff that we had done in the past like such as the, the title track rumors of our demise is very old school royal ruckus with like the beat production yeah. being kind of cheesy in my opinion but like i made it that way on purpose but also just like the right the hook you doing the choruses and you telling a story about us in those yeah uh, in those in those verses which kind of was like introduction to the rest of the album which was which is like modern kind of a look back or re-updating topics and stuff that we've been thinking and writing about for years because if, yeah, I mean, exactly. if you look at like uh like track number three uh you are not uh samson song like I, oh yeah, I yeah. Wrote the beat for that in like late 2003 or early 2004 oh um, wow yeah i didn't realize it was that old um let's see I know, whereas like Flowers on Good Friday and Starting to Fly, I wrote those like within a week or two of each other in 2010, or uh, let's see, Mike made a beat and we wrote a rap, I'm pretty sure I we, we, we recorded that song in like early 2003, um, wow. Dial It Up, yeah, that's true, uh, was like J- J- like it was a, I mean it's a really good collection, but like Tennessee Tiki, we wrote we oh wrote, yeah 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 it's like a brand new beat and um it's a really good song really great uh artists uh on there with jay quest and spoken nerd and you and i um like, and, it's like and my also, favorite hook ever that we ever had with spoken nerd oh that so summertime fun. like i could listen to that song every summer for the rest of my life <laughs> like, i'm so happy we wrote i wrote my own like summer song it's so good um <laughs> Yeah, so I want to I want to say a couple things about that because that was so fun, and particularly since, like I said, that was when we wrote that. That was in the midst of my biggest shipwreck in life. Yeah, and um, it was like this great like break from the difficulties, and and like we all got together, almost all of us. Um, we got together at the house I was living at and worked on it, and that was not something that had happened for a long time. Yeah. Um, and and it was also very rare with our that we had collaborators we actually wrote with. Like anytime we'd we'd have guest rappers, they'd usually submit their verse or just show up in the studio with it. Yeah, I and remember that night. A, the four of us were sitting on the deck of yeah. uh, the house you were in at the time, uh, and like the four of us were writing, and we all you know we all showed each other kind of what we what we'd started on. I didn't hear like the finished product until. Uh, you know, they were eventually recorded and then sent to me for mixing. Um, yeah. But I remember, like, just, you know, the first thing I ever heard was just the hook Nerd wrote. And then, uh, you know, I kind of remembered your verse, kind of remembered my verse. But then when we finally got down to it and then Jay Quest sent in his stuff, it all really came together. I was like, oh, yeah, it still, yeah. Has, it still has the groove and the feel of that yeah. night when we all got together and uh, yeah. listened to that beat on repeat for, you know, a good couple hours. Yeah. Um, Sitting on that patio in Franklin. (laughs) 
shots on it. I'm huffing and puffing and mowing the lawn. All the money that I made this year is all gone. Rock on to the sounds of Uchi Bonds. Shines on. I'm huffing and puffing and mowing the lawn. All the money that I made this year is all gone. Rock on to the sounds of Bougie Bon. What time is it? I think you know that. The sun is hot, so I contradict with cold wraps. Flat like a bull's that. We put a hook on. Fired up the barbecue grill to get our cook on. Cold when they brought the bookworms out, but now they're inside. Eating raw vegetables. I trade with enzymes. End times, global warming, swimming pools, volleyball. Didn't see the ring finger flirting with a sucker mom. My whole entourage is living the dream. Midnight party time. Flashlight, laser beams. You see these charcoals? You see these paper multicolored umbrellas? You see this crowd of handsome young fellas? There's a swimming pool, but no one's wet yet. There's a slight breeze, but we're still wiping our sweat. Once there was a worry, but those feelings are gone. Once there was a plan, but the left was singing this song. Where'd my drink go? Where's the bug spray? Oh, you like this beat? Go tell the DJ. Let's talk about our favorite sports ball teams. Let's talk about thoughts. Let's talk about dreams. Are you on Facebook? You're still on MySpace? I don't have an iPhone. My computer's back at my place. It's summertime and the sun shines on. I'm huffing and puffing and mowing the lawn. All the money that I made this year is all gone. Rock on to the sounds of Uchi Bonds. Shines on. I'm huffing and puffing and mowing the lawn. All the money that I made this year is all gone. Rock on to the sounds of Bougie Bonton. A couple other fun bits about that. Calvin Coolidge, those are with K's, a.k.a. Casey Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's on Summer of the Cicadas. He was supposed to be on Tennessee Tiki. Yeah. In fact, I, I don't think he showed up to write, though. I think he was supposed to show up to write and didn't make it because he had kids and he had kids and stuff. Yeah. And uh, he, he never came through, so we just had to kind of move on without him, which is fine, because if we had had one more rapper, it would have been one of those long crew jam songs. We, we managed to come in around four minutes, I think, um, maybe a little less. Another rapper would have been, I think, a little too much. Um, other, other fun facts, um, the verse I wrote that night did not make it on the album. I completely rewrote my verse. Now... I may have stolen a couple lines from it, but what happened was I had tried to write my verse to go with Jay Quest's verse, and I was going to interrupt him mid-verse when he's, he's talking about this chick with the Daisy Dukes. Oh, yeah. And I was going to interrupt him and start hitting on her myself. <laughs> and he, he didn't like that that night, I remember. And then, like... A year later, when when I'm talking to him about it, he didn't even remember that I interrupted his verse. And he was like, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> and I was like, it's my, it's my song. I'm pretty sure I can do that. No, you're going to clown like, me on record? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's fine, though, because actually it was not as good of a verse the first time. I love that freaking verse. It's the first time on a Royal Ruckus record that I actually cussed, although we bleeped it out. Yeah. But it's I did say sh- it, it is. It's funny. And we even open up the album with a Cypress Hill sample, and we bleep out the cuss word. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that about this. Like, it was a slight transition for us out of that, but... Um, Oh, and one other fun fact, and then we need need to move on from that, but um, another fun fact is I recorded J-Quest and Spoken Nerd at my house on different nights, and there was a perfect room for this. It's the same place also where I recorded uh, Bobby Exodus' verse 
um, from the transmissional. Oh, song. okay. Um, well, and where I recorded Brother Soul's verse. So th- there was there were several verses from the album recorded in this particular room. And oh, shoot, our movie, the Chicken Soul Donut Caper Two, was filmed in that house. Part That's of right. it, and and also Nate Larkin was the narrator. And I That's took him right. in that same room to do his uh, narration. It, it just, it, it was like really heavily carpeted. And the walls, I don't know if it was like, because the house was so old, the walls just didn't bounce sound <laughs> off them very well. So it was That's a funny. great vocal booth. Like, it was just perfect. And um, so I recorded Jay Quest, and I think he did a great job. But he is a perfectionist. And also, I was hitting uh, Natty Light beer bongs with him, which he felt so terrible the next day. He was like, <laughs> quite a headache. <laughs> he will never touch Natty Light again. And uh, and and uh, but I liked this verse, but he did not like it, and so he insisted on uh, re-recording it several years later. And he did a really good job; it's a better recording for sure. Definitely. But then the other thing was spoken nerd. I am not an engineer. I should not be an engineer. That is why I work with people like DJ Sean P, who know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I did not notice that Spoken Nerd's vocals were peaking and distorting. Oh, no. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I didn't want to have to make him re-record. And the great thing was, I think you just put a slight effect, just a slight little effect and made it sound almost beastie boys ish like oh yeah it's kind of distorted like i just tried to kind of like make everyone the great thing was i think you just put a slight effect just a slight little effect and made it sound almost beastie boys ish like oh yeah it's kind of distorted like i just tried to kind of like make everyone's kind of blend in like a dirty kind of vocal yeah. sound which is all over like the beastie boys ill communication album that whole album and and like half of their vocals on Paul's Boutique has so much like distortion on their vocals. And I thought that was crazy that they distorted yeah. their vocals so much on those albums. I kind of get it now. Like it was, I, it was totally different at the time, but like just doing like distorted rap vocals was weird sounding. But um, as such, it was able to like, you know, it worked, man. With the, with the beat. Plus like I had like, I had a distortion on the drum beat itself on that beat. So it sounded nastier. Um, to kind of help that yeah. out. But yeah, man, I barely even remember that. But now that you mention it, it totally is flooding back. The I remember everything, Michael. Everything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years come and ten years go, six years gone and four years slow, two years fought and one and nine months slow, my mission's gone missing and I don't know. My confession is my life's left me jaded, situation inspection, unanticipated, broken scene, broken dreams, broken understanding, broken bones lead minis from my crash landing, unleash they say, the power of your dreams, but then your dreams crack and starts become ending, dead man working, dead man paid, but dead men can dream from a dead man. Find me in the nooks and crannies looking for answers. A traveler back and forth from work and play. Start 
searching for the balance as I'm scrounging up change. Pounding my brain to imagine sunshine replacing clouds and rain. Lacing up a new hair and kicks to gain some traction. Life's an obstacle course full of distraction. And passion is the main attraction. Tackling the task at hand. Rapping live over program tracks. Because I can't afford a backing band. Mismatching dabs when shaking hands with fans. A backpack cram full of backup plans. Trying not to backslide since this transition has a drastic slant. Doing a random dance, sliding my arms like I can fly. Keeping sights as high, cause I know I'll get by. Life is like a rotating room. Moving too fast to get used to the view. Transitional, life live missional. No two men are exactly identical. Me and Bobby X still searching for the next trip. Head trip civil, but we're leaving an impression. There's no depression. I'm writing sad songs in hip hop language, dog. I'm mad wrong. Forget the stereotypes and living in the past. Remember your option to embrace change at last. Life is the most precious disaster. Not a chess game, but you would give people the mask. Fundamentally speaking, we further the kingdom of living our dreams to miracles. The coming of age in a matter of days is an instant way to make fun of our If I could see this and be this person, I'd know who I was and live life as a servant. It's urgent to turn this into something that your lips can speak. It's only for you and it'll change next week. And I pray and beg that this would be the type of thing that both of us can keep. Life is like a rotating room, moving too fast to get used to the view. Transitional. Life live missional, no two men are exactly identical. Life is like a rotating room, moving too fast to get used to the view. Transitional, life live missional, no two men are exactly identical. But I want to talk briefly. So we were we were living. Let's get a little personal here we were both living in franklin south of nashville um at this point and then then i moved to hawaii worked on the album a little more and then i moved to philadelphia and that's when we finished the album and you were still in franklin in 2011 or had you moved to yeah Austin? it was i was uh, i was in franklin all the way up until end of april 2012 so i was, I was uh, mm. just an, uh, just a year away okay. from moving to Austin when this came out okay all right so so then we, we put this record out we uh we made some cds which i think were down to like two copies which is cool i mean we only made like 100 or 200 of them because at this point um you know it was already clear that we're still buying them back then but everybody was all about downloads and we weren't quite to the streaming stuff yet so we tried our hand at the the download cards and turns out those are actually pretty hard to sell <laughs> it, 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 it actually, at that time anyway, was easier to get, convince people to go on iTunes and pay for it on iTunes than to get them to hand you cash and you give them a card they take home to a website they've never been to. Yeah, punch in true. the code. It, people just rather go to what they know. Amazon. Probably still iTunes. the same. I mean, yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Like, I know I buy albums, I buy physical copies of albums when I enjoy that, like, not because, if, if, then I'll buy it, but I want to buy it in, like, a physical version, but, like, uh, yeah. you know, the way to do that now is just go ahead and buy an LP, um, because then you get, like, all the fun little books and artwork, you can see the artwork up close, and, you know, I may never listen to it that much on vinyl alone, but, um, you know, it's, I like, I like the idea of having a physical copy, I even have a, uh, I bought, um, the album, new album by, uh, some, friends of ours uh, Zach Spear and uh, um, and uh, Evan Ware are a band called Almanac in Bakersfield oh. and nice. they are putting out 
some beautiful music right now. And uh, so they put an album last summer, and uh, the physical copy of it is a cassette tape. And, um, oh, word. Which is awesome. Like, not everyone even has a cassette tape, but, you know, you get a cassette tape and you get, like, this physical artistic medium, but, you know, you, right. you, can, right. still listen, you can still listen to it straight off of Spotify or... Uh, in right. my case, I bought I bought the cassette tape through a uh, through a download purchase on Bandcamp. Like if you buy the album, you get the cassette tape and you get the streaming slash download, the high quality uh, sound files. So that was a nice little Did, like all in one thing. That's pretty awesome. We'll have to put a link in the show notes for them. Um, did you did did you hear about the the great Jason, aka J Beats album that just came out last year? Mm-hmm. I've, no, I don't know. No, not at all, actually. Yeah, so that dude, I mean, everybody has always loved his contribution to LA Symphony. Yeah, sick. Uh, I think in some ways he was a little distant from, you know, he was not the guy you you saw interviews with or, you know, he was more content to kind of make beats and be in the background a little bit and every now and then grab the microphone. And when he kind of left L.A. Symphony all those years ago, I thought, oh, one of these days he's, he's just going to come out with some banging thing on his own. He would only put out, like, a single or two here or there, and that was it. Oh, man. And then, and then last year, he put out a record, did not make it available online. You could buy it through Whoa. the internet, but you, all you got was vinyl or CD. And they were the same album but the vinyl had like a bonus song or two and the cd had a bonus song or two that were not on the other record so what do the diehard fans do they go by both yeah exactly i feel yeah. like that's um this is kind of the world like art like people who are pursuing music as like an artistic output should consider you know how they want their music to be to come out like how you know like a like a like a yeah. chef plating his dinner at a fancy restaurant, yeah, like yeah, how do you want exactly. to distribute your this music you're making? Anyone can sit down and listen to the sound waves coming out of a speaker, but like how does how does the actual art want to be presented? Whether it's right. uh, you know uh, the comedian Eugene Merman selling a uh, an exclusive edition of his live comedy album, which is a an armchair that has speakers built into it, so you can listen to the album like the album <laughs> is the chair. That's incredible. Uh, like five hundred dollars, or you know, you can buy a CD. Or in the case of like, you know, us, you know, maybe we, uh, or um, or me, or whoever in general, yeah, yeah. Might, might put an album that's like only available in a certain medium, but you can still like stream it. But if you want to like really experience, you know, the album as a self, you should buy the physical copy because then you get to look at the liner notes and the artwork and everything yeah. else that went into it rather than, you know, just designing a, you know, a 10 by 24 by 10 by 24 pixel. That's going to be the album artwork on a, yeah. that you look at on your screen. Um, I think right. that's genius to be just like, or I guess gutsy in, in a way to be like, Hey, this is an album I made and this is how you can listen to it. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. And you know, as, but there are going to be casualties, right? Because, like, I haven't ordered J-Beat's stuff yet. Yeah. And I, I love his stuff. I would totally be in the market for it. But apparently whatever post he did didn't trickle all the way down to me in social media. I more heard it from oh, bummer. Uh, from, from talking to friends, you know, yeah. that are like, oh, I, I just got it. Or did you hear what J-Beat's did? 
and uh, and every time I think of it, it's like right now I'm in conversation, and then when we get off the phone, because I'm not going to do it while we're in the middle of the podcast, uh, we're going to get off the phone, and I'm gonna, I'm going to forget. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm it's like make when I notes to myself. When I have conversations about music and stuff that I want, like when I'm at work, and I'm like desperately trying to make a note about it somewhere on my phone as we're talking, or making it pop up in my like recently listened to list on Spotify, so that I right. remember to give this thing a listen to. And uh, and then sometimes I don't do any of that because you know I'm in, it's, I'm in the middle of something and then I forget about it when yeah. I could have just easily done that. Definitely, that's you know how how the world works. Interesting. Well, I think this is a, a good spot to uh, wrap this podcast up, and we'll pick up with uh, some of the cicadas. I think we've we've established that you moved to Austin in 2012, and uh, I was in Philadelphia, and then. Um, and then all that all that changes, and that's what we'll talk about on the next episode. Sure does. So, sure does. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't know, man. There's uh, something you haven't done yet that all my other guests have done, and maybe this is the perfect <laughs> time to do it. Should we um, talk? What should we talk about? Should we talk about a, a, a shipwreck or or a, or a beard or a beard? <laughs> No, so we, we, we I'll do two things for you. We we can save the others. Are are you drinking anything right now? Um, I I it's it's silly of me to be doing it at nighttime, but I was drinking uh, coffee from my uh, ah. from a uh, another local roaster here in Austin, um, and it got me nice and wired here at nighttime, which I'm gonna have to do something about because I have to wake up early tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as uh as far as tonight um. It, it's actually a uh, limited run Colombian coffee from Spokesman Coffee and Beer, which is a uh, this like this really awesome uh, uh, coffee house and bar in South Austin um, nice. near uh, Saint Elmo Brewery um, in the Saint Elmo neighborhood at the Yard. And um, a buddy of mine in the coffee industry is the head roaster there, and we had a coffee swap a couple weeks ago. A bunch of people in the local coffee industry, we all got together and uh, shared each other some beans that we had, some little special, either nice. like special editions or something, and everyone kind of like took, you know, enough to brew themselves a pot of coffee um, so that we all had enough to share. But uh, there was some coffee left over, so I snagged this this bag of uh, <laughs> this limited run Colombian coffee that uh, head roaster Ethan Billups had brought over. And uh, nice, very tasty. I don't know the tasting notes on it at all. I remember there was a funny story about him like calling the farmer that he bought this uh, this lot from saying there's no way that this coffee isn't natural process meaning that it was you know, like it was it was processed with the the fruit the cherry fruit on the bean which can make the fruit the the coffee itself taste really fruity when you brew it down the line Okay. Um, so it was really funny. He, he wasn't calling it a natural, but he was saying he thought it was yeah. a natural process because goodness, it tastes like coffee fruit, is what he <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> so it was really funny. Anyway, That's so cool. I got this little the stash of coffee that I'm pretty sure you can't buy anymore. It was I think it was uh, a limited run towards the end of uh, sure. towards the end of December. They had like a little special that they posted about it. Um, it tastes nice. amazing as iced coffee. Uh, I made a. I made a Japanese style flash brewed iced coffee for a friend the other night and he went nuts for it. I was, I apologize profusely that I had totally ran out of milk and milk and sugar in the house. And he said, <laughs> this is the first time I haven't needed milk or sugar in my iced coffee. And I thought, nice. How awesome. That's fantastic. That's really cool to hear. Um, that is, that is pretty awesome. 
So yeah. Speaking that's... of uh, speaking of sugar and coffee, um, so I'm in Orlando at a at a business conference, and on my way up here today, I was getting a little tired. It's only like a three hour drive, but I'm ridiculous when it comes to driving. Um, even on tour by myself, you know. I mean, I freaking yeah. went all the way out to Oklahoma and back from South Florida. Like, That's crazy. But I would, I would get so tired. So today I was filling up gas and I saw a, a Cuban um, cafe and bakery. And so I remembered the coffee that I had with KJ52 on the podcast. And I thought, oh, yeah, KJ has this really intense. And I said, no, no sugar. Which the funny thing about that is after, after she made it for me and then I started talking to the girl, after I said no sugar, I realized I'm pretty sure I just ordered espresso and <laughs> it's no longer a colada. Yeah, I was about to say, I think looked, sugar is part of what makes it the drink, dude. If it's a Cuban, yeah. <laughs> if this is a Cuban coffee order. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so she, she, yeah, cause they put the, they put the sugar in while they're brewing it. Yeah. So they put like the sugar in with the espresso. Exactly. So. When she came back, I asked her, and she she got this cute little smile on her face, and she said, "Well, yeah, but if you had just said espresso, I would have only poured you two shots." She said, "You said you wanted a full colada with no sugar, so she said that's why you're getting a bigger cup." Which, of course, I could have fixed by simply saying I want four shots. But uh, in any case, it was really good, um, and it was had no sugar. Uh, but I liked it, and it, it did the trick, and I'm still awake nice. uh, a few hours later, probably too awake for uh, when I need to go to bed as well. So, um, in in other, um, what I'm drinking now, I will tell you in the summer of the potatoes podcast. So, Ooh, anyway, nice. um, teaser. So I think that's. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So the other thing you need to answer me, and I'm putting you on the spot. Although I hope you've thought about this when you've listened to other episodes. What would you say is the greatest rap song of all time? Or oh. at least mo- most impactful on you? One of the other. <laughs> if you, if you like, tried to pin me down on Mike, play your favorite rap song of all time right now, I would put on uh, Triumph by Wu-Tang Clan from mm, Wu-Tang yeah. Forever. It's like a six-minute long song. And every single member of Wu Tang uh, does a verse on that particular track, and it was a like hot song. a groundbreaking track because it was so long. But it was their first single off that album. The video is <laughs> is bonkers. Yeah. Like every single rapper has their own little like segment where something crazy is going on, whether they're like climbing a, a skyscraper, or running away from killer bees, or being a ninja, or you know upside down over a lake of fire. Yeah, bonkers yeah. video. Um, that was the first time I actually. The, that video was the first time I actually saw the Wu Tang Clan. I didn't know what they looked like mm, exactly yeah. before I saw that video. Um, I right. had, um, I didn't. I didn't own the album yet, and I'd only had owned the Walmart edited version of the first album, under the Thirty Six Chambers. Um, and I think I had borrowed a million times our friend Philip's audio cassette copy of the Genius uh, Jizza album, Liquid Swords. Yeah. Um, which were all groundbreaking to me. Uh, and I could name a couple tracks off of those albums that I could probably also put up there with this one. But I would say press, you know, just name real quick, like first thing that comes to my head, I would have to say Triumph. Uh, yeah, the Clan. that makes sense. Um, there's a lot going on in that song, whether talking about social issues or just wrapping a bunch of crazy words next to each other or about drug deals. Um, <laughs> the, the beat... 
is amazing. Uh, the RZA looped like an odd number of samples that repeat themselves. Like, like if wow. you listen to the music, the beats, like the drum beats there, it's this disgusting sounding drum beat that's amazing. But the music over it cycles between like a flute and violins and chimes and like others like samples but like right. usually in, in rap music when you have like a, a sample based uh song beat going it like loops itself like every four four bars or something like that this thing loops itself like every seven or nine bars or something weird like that and it just goes on endlessly throughout the whole seven minutes um and it was it's just crazy to me that uh that that's that's uh, with the production style he went with, and right? That really also uh, affected me quite a bit. I would say definitely production style. Um, there's this this is before we even did microphone our first album in '98. Yeah, um, yeah. That was when this album came out. Um, and and, uh, and yeah. the the funny the funny thing is you know Wu Tang. I, I don't know. I, I had a hard time liking Wu-Tang in the beginning. I mean, yeah. I liked Cream. You know, I, I liked Cash Rules, everything around me. Everybody liked that song. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of stuff I liked, but there was a lot of their production value that was kind of subpar. Um, and and on, on top of that, too, like, I don't think any of them were, like, musically trained. And so no. they would have these weird th things out of the box. But honestly, years later, looking back, uh, you know, over maybe the last, five or ten years, I've actually come to love Wu-Tang way more than I did when they were fresh and new. Yeah. Because it, there's a certain genius about it by not being encumbered by the normal uh, rules of music, they brought a certain genius uh, to the table that you couldn't have any other way. Absolutely. And, very, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very, very touched by that. It's very... Um, like when I was touched by it in the '90s, is because I was just sick of whatever. What the heck was on the radio back then? I think it was like Puff Daddy and Mace, like all this kind oh, yeah. of really yeah, radio yeah. rap stuff that I wasn't really. You know, it was good dance music and stuff, and I, I would hear it at school dances and stuff. And all my friends knew these lyrics to these like songs that I thought were kind of you know, very boring. Basically, they were just like these yeah. like, radio oh, yeah. songs. Um, you know, but uh, and a lot, and a lot, especially with Puff, like a lot of the stuff was recycled '80s music, which yeah. is a cool thing to do, I guess. But it wasn't like he brought something new to the table. No, he just brought rap and a beat. That's disappointed it. with his decision to take, you know, eighty like eighty songs and and just do really simple, safe, generic, like beats and rhymes over them. You know, yeah. Yeah. Which is like spitting on the history of hip hop production that has taken you know groovy funk samples and turned them into like banging songs like uh, you know and but at the this is like post uh, Biggie Smalls death when like Biggie was put out I didn't know at the time I honestly didn't really listen to much uh, Biggie until like probably within the last ten years and gone back yeah past the songs I knew from like teen movie soundtracks and right. I'm like oh these are this is really good stuff like I get why they, they're still revered these years later um, yeah but yeah. the Puff Daddy yeah. stuff that was popular at the time in the late 90s totally not feeling it so when Triumph came out yeah. we were just Boontang in general and I could tell I was like this production I didn't know what I didn't call it this at the time but you know recognizing that it sounded like dirty and nasty and like made in a garage 
and it technically apparently it was probably was <laughs> it yeah. made it in the Rizzo's <laughs> basement where he was like just making beats 24 hours a day for like months at a time which turned into like all those first few albums this the solo albums and the first couple Wu-Tang albums and yeah. just recognizing this guy was was trying to not be influenced by as much as possible so that he could just make whatever he wanted and to yeah. uh, and that really did come out I mean Including like songs that still kind of bug me. I don't remember what exactly. It might be first or second track on that same album on Wu Tang Forever. That there is this uh, really great sample, and someone has played a bass line, whether it was the RZA or or maybe it was a whole other sample of a bass line, and um, it like goes out of key at some point, vert like yeah. in tune with the sample in a way that really bugs me like it could be on purpose like maybe it doesn't resolve resolve the uh, resolve the chord i guess you would call it or play the root yeah. note correctly on purpose to make the song more, sound more tense um yeah but it always bugged me i was like this would sound so pretty if he would just play <laughs> this note that is the root note of the chord that the song is right. to like oh and oh, but I you know fun. that might have been a genius move. I feel like I was getting mad at people who I definitely knew, whether it was like local musicians or or other like kind of uh, people who thought they were better than they really were, who were making beats right. that right. were definitely you don't know anything about music, and I'm kind of trapped in a cage with my beat production because I feel like I have to follow certain yeah. rules <laughs> of, well, so of music. It's funny I've, I've got an anecdote that ties like everything together that you just said in the last like oh, five nice. minutes um so we used to hang out with the sackcloth fashion guys and for those that don't know their lasting legacy where they are i mean they were like eclectic rap group um syntax distribution still exists which was a label that and distribution company that they had started and they initially did it, I think, to support their own music, but yeah. eventually it became bigger than that, and it still exists. Um, but in around that time, in the late '90s, you know, we we were pretty pretty new, and I was driving down to San Diego a lot to hang out with Jeremiah Dirt from Shout of the Locust, and and also um, Tim Trudeau, who at the time was his uh, rap producer name was Sir Rock Domes, which I think is a fantastic name. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how as Royal Ruckus we didn't have any Sir something or others in our group, but you know whatever. Um, so I, I remember two things I want to say about that is uh, well three things. Number one, I remember him complimenting your beats, and specifically what he was complimenting was that your beats were always in key from start to finish, and <laughs> you know they were used to listening to all this underground hip hop where these guys don't know anything about the rules of music and it sounded cool to their ears but to people who are musically trained you would just cringe like yeah. why did, why did they put those sounds together that's yeah. not right so i remember feeling i mean it was you were the one who got the compliment but i was the one who heard it and i probably never told you back then so um, congratulations on your 20 year old compliment no i'm pretty um, sure you told me it sounds very oh, okay. sounds pretty familiar <laughs> So I, I remember being very proud of working with you uh, because someone else had, had observed that same thing. And then the second thing, and I don't know if it was the same visit or not, but um, he had told me that one of the things that he tried to do was listen to as little 
popular hip hop as possible because he didn't want to be influenced by anyone else. He, he wanted sackcloth to blaze their own trail. But here's one of the consequences of that. He had made this incredible beat, and I haven't heard it in probably 20 years, but I remember when I heard it, it was freaking off the chain, and it was using um, a Led Zeppelin sample. And, and in freaking, like, summer 98, oh, yeah. Puff Daddy <laughs> came out with this song on the, the Godzilla, Godzilla soundtrack. soundtrack. <laughs> and and he had Jimmy Page he, on he the track the with him. player from the sample <laughs> to redo the song. <laughs> oh, and wow. and well, it it was good. It just didn't it didn't do what Sir Rockdomes had done. No, it yeah, and, it sucks compared to what it could be. Like someone take that sample yeah. and make it rock. And so that that just kind of tied all the things you said together. I That's so like. funny. Um, that is very yeah, funny. So, so he never got to use that beat. And, you know, a, a, a similar thing happened to Dirt a few years ago, although he finally came live with it, was he had that Rebel Lion album. I don't yeah. know if you've heard it yet. But, no, I bought it. Uh, I love it. Okay. Yeah, so, so he made that album several years ago. I don't know how many. Could be three, could be six, I could be ten. I don't know. But he made that album, and then life just kind of like got in front of him, and he wasn't sure how to promote it because he was going to indie release it. Mm-hmm. And then all these reggae rap songs started coming out. And he was like, well, shoot, if I put it out now, I'm going to sound like I'm copying them. I don't want to do that. And, like, nobody cares about copying anymore in rap music. Everybody's just copy, copy, copy. But Dirt is still... People just don't think like that in hip-hop anymore. But yeah. now I'm sounding old. Very true. All right. Well, real quickly, um, give me give me any socials you want to put out there uh, before we wrap up this episode. Uh, follow me on Instagram, MP Walker. That's M-P-W-A-L-K-E-R. I'm also on Bandcamp, mpwalker.bandcamp.com. Uh, same thing with SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash mpwalker. Excellent. And you can find uh, both of us at Royal Ruckus or at Royal Ruckus Official on all the things. You have to figure out which is which. Uh, technically, uh, Mike has the logins to those, but I'm the one who posts generally, so... Uh, but it's still on behalf of both of us, so uh, so you can find out that stuff there. Uh, by the time this goes live, I should have a Pledge Music uh, page up for the new Royal Ruckus Presents project, and I'll explain that uh, at, a, at a later time. But um, So go to Pledge Music and search Royal Ruckus. I don't know what the web address is going to be. Probably going to be pledgemusic.com slash world's okayest rapper probably uh i'll put it in the show notes if it's different so anyway thanks for listening bruises beers and shipwrecks this is wu-tang triumph but y'all thought y'all wasn't gonna see me i'm the osiris of this shit wu-tang is here forever motherfuckers this left this 97 i my niggas and my niggerettes let's do it like this i'm gonna rub your ass in the moonshine Take it back to 79. I bomb atomically. Talk-
Socrates, philosophies and hypotheses. Can't define how I be dropping these mockeries. Lyrically perform armed robbery. Flee with the lottery. Possibly they spotted me. Battles guard, showgun, explosion when my pen hits. Tremendous. Ultra violet shine blind forensics. I inspect view through the future. See millennium. Killer bees sold 50 gold, 60 platinum. Shackling the matches with drastic rap tactics. Graphic displays melt the steel like blacksmiths. Black Wu jackets, queen bees ease the guns in. Rumble with patrolmen to gas lace the function. Heads by the score, take flight inside a war. Ticks hit the floor, die hard fans demand more. Behold the bold soldier, control the glow slowly. Proceeds the blow, swinging swords like Shinobi. Stomp grounds and found footprints of solid rock. Who got it locked, performing live on your hottest fly. As the world turns, I spread like germ. Bless the globe with the pestilence. The hard headed never learn. This my testament to those burned. Play my position in the game of life, standing firm. On foreign land, jump the gun out the frying pan. Into the fire, transform into the ghost rider. A six pack and a street car named Desire. Who got my back in the line of fire, holding back? What? My peoples, if you with me, where the fuck you at? Niggas is strapped and they trying to twist my beer cap. It's court adjourned for the bad seed from bad sperm. Herb got my wig fried like a bad perm. What the blood clots? We smoke pot and blow spots. You wanna think twice? I think not. Now I ain't long ain't got to tell you where it's coming from. Guns are Navarone tearing up your battle zone. Rip through your slums. I twist darts from the heart. Try to intrude. Loop my voice on the LP. Martini on the slang rock. Certified chatterbox. Vocabulary dawn and talking. Tell your story walking. Take cover, kid. What? Run for your brother, kid. Run for your team. And your six can't rhyme groupies. So I can squeeze with the advantage and get wasted. My deadly notes reign supreme. Your fort is basic compared to mine. Domino effect, arts and crafts. Paragraphs contain cyanide. Take a free ride on my thought. I got the fashion. Catalog for all y'all that all praise due to God. The saga continues. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Olympic torch flaming. We burn so sweet. The thrill of victory. The agony defeat. We crush slow. Flaming deluxe slow. Poor. Judgment day cometh. Conquer. It's war. Allow us to escape hell. Globe spinning bomb. Pocket full of shells out the sky. Golden arms. Tune spit the shitty mortal combat sound. The fake ball step make the blood stain the ground. A jungle junkie. Vigilante tantrum. A death kiss. Catwalk. Squeeze another anthem. Hold it for ransom. Tranquilize with anesthesia. Orchestra, graceful, music ballerinas, my music Sicily, rich California smell, an axe kill adventure, paint a picture well, I sing a song from Sing Sing, sipping on Jing Sing, righteous wax, chaperone, rotating ring March on the wooden soldiers, see cypher punks couldn't hold us, a thousand men rushing in, not one nigga was sober, perpendicular to the square, we stand gold like flare, escape from your dragon's lair, in particular, my beast travel like a vortex, through your spine to the top of your cerebral cortex, make you feel like you busting up from raw sex. Enter through your right ventricle, clog up your bloodstream, hot terminal like Grand Central Station. Program fat baselines on ovation. Getting drunk like a fuck, I'm ducking five year probation. War of the masses, the outcome disastrous. Many of the victim families saved the ashes. A million names on walls engraved the plaques. Those who went back received penalties for the acts. Another heart is torn, as close ones mourn. Those strayed niggas get slayed on the song. The track renders helpless and suffers from multiple stab wounds and leaked sounds. That's her. 93 million miles away from came one to represent the nation. This is a gathering of the masses that come to pay respects to the Wu-Tang Clan. As we engage in battle, the crowd now screams in rage. The hot chief Jamel Ari takes the stage. Light is provided through sparks of energy from the mind that travels in rhyme form, giving sight to the blind. 
The dumb are mostly intrigued by the drum. Death only one can save shell from. This relentless attack of the track spares none. Yo, 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 fuck that. Look at all these crab niggas laid back. Lamping light and gray and black. Boom is on my man's rack. Codeine was tossing your drink. You had a navy green. Solomon the fiend. Bitches overheard you scream. You two faces, scum of the slump. I got your whole body numb. Blowing like Shalimar in 81. Sound convincing. Thousand dollar cork pop convention. Hands like Sonny Liston. Get fly permission. Hold the fuck up. I'll fasten your wig. Bad luck. I'll humiliate. Separate the English from the Dutch. It's me. Black noble Juwali. Came of trees. We like the Genevieve says so, season these degrees is earth. 93 million miles from the first rough turbulence. The wave burst, split the megahertz. Hey yo, that's amazing. Gun in your mouth, talk. Verbal foul hawk. Connect thoughts to make my man chow walk. Swift notarizer, blue tank. All up in the high riser. New York gang visor, word tranquilizer. Just a dosage. Delegate my clan with explosives. Wow, my pen blow lines ferocious. Mediterranean, see y'all. The number one draft pick. Tear down the beat guard. The delegate the guard, the seagull. The swift chancellor. Flex the white gold tarantula, track truck diesel, play the weed guard, substantial, max mostly, undivided, then sliding, sickening, guaranteed, made him jump like Rod Strickland.